How do you do, neighbor? It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. And now, here's the guys. Welcome to another edition of Berean Spirits. My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ here in Springfield, Missouri. And of course, we've got the guys with us, Richard Dodson up in Kearney, Missouri. Richard, how you doing? Hey, I'm I'm just fantastic. Yeah? Yeah, I can't be any better. I had some uh, storms go through. We've been getting a lot of rain here in Missouri. I guess back east, they were worried about flooding yesterday, but... After going through a drought here in the last week or so, we've been catching up with rain. So, it'll, it'll, yeah, there, this, this, the rest of the week, there's still lots of chances, especially towards the central and east part of Missouri. But yeah, it's, uh, we still got a lot of rain coming. That's good. That's good. We need to catch up. So, I, that'd be good on my flowers. There you go on your flowers. There you go. Yeah, I'm worried about my flower and my pond. My fishing pond is really low. There's a oh, pipe well, no, down there. there. When the pipe is, you know, above the water line, then I it's that's just not good. So yeah, mm, yeah, that's not good. We got to get water in that thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. We've got Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, you doing all right, man? I'm doing all right. It is raining here, and I'm glad for that. So, yeah, Dude, we're we are in a really crazy cycle, um, and and I and I something I guess that completely off topic. What we're going to be discussing today, I guess, but. You know, everyone talks about global warming and and uh, climate change and all of that, but uh, there was uh, an article put out by some folks who are really catching a lot of heat. Excuse the pun, um, because they they're actually putting out some statistics and facts about an underwater uh, volcano that erupted, and. And the effects of the water vapor in the atmosphere that it caused, because it was one of the largest eruption in in I mean in in years, and uh, and the effect that it would have on the climate in raising the temperature by point zero whatever degrees you know, Fahrenheit and Celsius and all that, which is exactly what they're saying that the temperature has raised, but they don't you know, the, the activists don't want to point to or look at this volcano eruption under the water that caused all this water vapor to go up into the atmosphere and raise the temperature. Um, you know, they, they, they want to ignore that and just continue to spout their agendas. Um, but, uh, the, the truth is out there. If people are willing to look for it, I guess is kind of my point. Well, did you did you hear about the uh, that Pulitzer Prize winning uh, guy? I, I heard somebody they were trying to pull a the award from somebody. Oh yeah, he was supposed to uh, have a speech. I think it was the Federal Reserve later that day, but he was on. I think it was CNN, and they asked him about 
you know, they were trying to lead him into global warming and he basically, he just said it's a hoax. Yeah. And, uh, he said that the government, you know, actually pays these scientists, uh, they'll fund their work if they stand up and write papers against global warming. And he said, that's why there's so many scientists that are against it because they'll lose their funding for their work. And, uh, it was funny how they rushed him off, and then they immediately canceled his speech at the uh, Federal Reserve. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. If if it doesn't fit their agenda, you know, that's they, they want to shut them up. That's for sure. But yeah, you know, what, you know free with speech, all this talk about global warming, climate change, I mean, you know, if if we disagree, we can always just throw it in Romans fourteen, can't we? You know, I, I do want to say something. Sure. Uh, because the reason I disagree with global warming, because this Bible teaches there's always going to be the seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. That, that, yeah. That's what the Bible teaches. So uh, I, I can't go along with global warming if the Bible disagrees with it. But all right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you, you had learned it now. I mean, I had a perfect segue. and You did. It's over. It's gone. Well, I, I just, you know, I'm not, I didn't want anybody to think that I, I'm just spouting something off because I'm being political. I, that's, you know, the Bible teaches that. I've actually preached against global warming because of that. So, you know, for me, it's a, a point of faith. God controls the weather. Well, Second Peter 3, verses what, 6 and 70, I mean, by his word, he's preserved this world uh, for the day of perdition and judgment. But if you do disagree, Josh, can't we just throw it in Romans 14? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that was a perfect segue, and I think it was just Richard being jealous of it. And so yeah. He, he had to. I get that a lot from him. Yeah, yeah. Especially with you catching all the fish, and that's right. Yeah, when I I I, I bait the hook, I did a sermon on that too. Yeah, <laughs> I really did. I bait the hook. He catches the fish. Uh, go ahead, Josh. <laughs> can, can we get to the subject today? Let's see. Okay. Well. Uh, we're we're talking about Romans 14. Um, this is a, a chapter uh, that is important, and it's dealing with uh, the liberties that we have as Christians. And I think there's a couple of important points that we need to iron out here uh, to make sure that we apply the principles here properly. And I think there needs to be some divine. De, excuse me defining of terms uh, so that we can have a, a proper understanding of what Paul is trying to say, and we're not misapplying it. And I know Rick, uh, Chris was joking over there about, you know, we just disagree and let's just can't yeah. uh, throw it all into the Romans 14. And the problem is that's what some people are doing. They, they say, um, if you believe sin is, is okay, like homosexuality or, or, you know, marriage, divorce, and remarriage, or whatever else it might be. If you disagree on that, that's okay. We'll just sweep it all into the Romans 14 bucket, and we can just continue right on in fellowship. And that's not at all what Paul is talking about here. And, and so in verse 1, he specifically says, except the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgments on his opinions. And I think that key word at the very end there is the key opinions we're not talking about matters of doctrine uh, we're not talking about matters of morality we're talking about opinions areas where god is silent or areas where god may be indifferent uh, 
And the two examples that he uses here are the eating of meats and the observing of days. Uh, if there was a Jewish Christian who still felt obligated to abstain from pork, by all means, go ahead and do that. You don't have an obligation to do so, but if that's what your conscience tells you you need to do, go for it. Uh, if uh, a brother thinks that it's perfectly fine and he wants to do that, more power to you. Uh, but the point that Paul is saying is you need to respect each other as you um, deal with these uh, liberties. And, and I think one of the problems that we experience as we uh, deal with this chapter is we see the weak versus strong, and we have a tendency to look at that versus right versus wrong. Yeah, Weak brother is the wrong brother. The strong brother is the right one. Well, no, that's not at all the case. Uh, the weak one is merely the one who recognizes a liberty that he has and chooses not to partake of it. Uh, the strong brother is the one who recognizes a liberty and partakes in it. And, and so the, the point is whether you're on either side of the spectrum, and I think we need to realize that in any given situation, we can both be weak and strong in a number of different areas. Uh, the point is we need to be respectful of one another in those areas and not pass judgment on them because they exercise their liberties differently than we do. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great basis to look at because I, I think, to me, one of the biggest things that's been overlooked in this text is that aspect of, of weak and strong because I think it shows that growth is expected, right? Um, and consideration and, um, you know, continually looking at certain things as we grow in faith, because, I mean, you know, faith is introduced or, you know, talked about in this text as well. And and I think in my mind, what that does is it throws in the aspect that this is not a passage, a chapter that you throw topics into to let them lie. Right. This isn't just let's just throw it in there and leave it alone. You know, there is, you know, I think about Second Peter three and verse eighteen. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. You know, there's growth to take place. We have to allow for room for growth, but you know, when growth isn't happening, rebuke takes place. Hebrews chapter five, in verse twelve through fourteen. You know, by now you ought to be teachers, he says, but we got to go back into, you know, some of the basics, the fundamentals, you know, because you haven't been using the scripture, you haven't been growing. And and that's what really comes to my mind in Romans 14 is this aspect of, of growing and training your conscience in these matters that he, he talks about. Um, and it isn't a matter of, listen, you know, Christ said, you know, that uh, you're, you know, what God has joined together, let not, let, let not man separate. And so if you disagree with that, let's throw it in Romans 14, that's a complete abuse and, 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 and blasphemy of the scriptures uh, and a disregard for really what Paul's talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll just, it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> then nobody asked me anything. And I don't, I'm not very good with segues. So I'm just going to go ahead Amen. and, yeah, I'm just going to make my point. Uh, first of all, if anybody disagrees with anything that's said here today, 
uh, hey, come on the air. I mean, you know what? We'll send you a link. You can come on here and debate it with us. I'd like nothing better than to uh, uh, for people to uh, hear the truth. And if I'm wrong, I'll I will change my mind. But uh, been studying this for a long time, and I've had to deal with this many, many times. And um, everything Josh has said so far at Amen, everything Chris has said so far at Amen, uh, we have to stick with the context of this passage. And he is, as Josh pointed out, he's definitely not talking about something that is a matter of faith. Because there is there is a responsibility on this topic, and we're talking about uh, meat that's been offered to idols, if they can eat it or not. And uh, there is a responsibility for both parties, he who is considered weak and he who is considered strong, to be able to make a determination that this is not a point of faith. Now contrast this to what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we see some things that come up where yeah, things have to be acted on. There was a man who had his father's wife. You can't, uh, you can't, you know, Paul was forbidding uh, being tolerant with that. And then he he goes on farther down. I'd have to go over there and read it. It said something about the greedy, the swindlers. Um, let me get over here. Hang on just a second. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he... Uh, uh, Verses 9 through 11. Okay, the sexually immoral, the greedy, the swindlers, the idolaters. Uh, you know, all these have to be pointed out and none of these people, uh, then he goes on. Yeah, there's more. He says, guilty of, of uh, drunkards. Uh, he says, don't even eat with such one. Uh, we're not talking about some type of tolerant behavior that, uh, two brethren are supposed to, uh, ab abide by in, in such a situation. Uh, so, you know, there, we can't sit there and say that every situation can be thrown into Romans 14, because obviously in 1 Corinthians 5, for instance, there are situations where that would not apply. But when we get back to the two brethren, okay, there's responsibilities for each, each one. And we see that in verse 3. It says, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Okay, so he has a brother who has a different opinion than him. Okay, and I'm just going to throw something else that I think would apply. Let's say there is a brother who does not wear a tie when waiting on the Lord's table for the Lord's <gasps> supper. There is no scripture Curtis. that teaches that he is sinning by doing so. And so those of you who feel more comfortable with someone wearing a tie at the Lord's table you can't despise that one. And you're going to have to be able to recognize that what you're feeling is an opinion. You're going to have to be able to see that and understand that. And then he says, let, the not, the, let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. So now we're talking about a brother in that particular case. You know, he's not doing something because his conscience is offended. But even with that, he has to be able to recognize that this is a matter of opinion. Because if it was a matter of doctrine, he'd have to act upon that. But this is a matter of opinion. 
And so he has to be able to see that. Now, does this particular situation work in real life? Yes. Uh, I've had situations with brethren where, and, and, you know, that we were dealing with issues and, and both trying to work through it. And in two different situations, one time I had to say, okay, in this situation, I'd be the weak brother. And he goes, yeah, that's right. And he goes, I'd be the strong brother. And then in another situation with the same brother, I said, okay, in this situation, I'd be the strong brother and you would be the weak. And he's like, yeah, he goes, that's, that's right. And we were able to apply Romans 14 properly, knowing that we were dealing with a matter of doctrine. It was just a, you know, an opinion on his part, the weak brother's part that offended his conscience. That's all it was. Yeah. Okay. It, you know, it, a lot of times the, the issues arise and, you know, for example, the, the tie that you pointed out or there, there are other things. And one of the problems is sometimes we try to, you look at this and say, well, maybe we should approach this as Paul approached the eating of meats, not, you know, abstaining from the eating of meats in Romans 14. Uh, but in what he's one of the things he's rebuking is, is as you've pointed out, he's telling them, listen, they're not in sin if they eat or don't eat, you know, and you're not in sin if you eat or if you don't eat. The, the problem is a lot of folks look at certain aspects of their life or practices, and they feel as though if they don't do these things, you know, they're in sin and therefore if others don't do them, they're in sin. And that's one of the things that Paul is rebuking is this attitude of, uh, of, of con condemning someone and making this judgment where, you know, uh, it, it's not, it's not to be made right. It, that it's not an aspect where if you do or don't that, uh, you're engaging in sin. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that we might see as we kind of go through this chapter is we, we hear about the weak brother and we think, well, I just need to study with him and I need to get him to change his mind. Well, not necessarily. You know, and, you know going back to the idea of the eating with meats, you know, maybe he recognizes, yeah, we have a liberty to do so. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, hinder you from partaking but I see that this these meats are are associated with idol worship over here, as Paul describes in First Corinthians eight, and I just don't want to be a part of that. You know, th that's a conviction that they've come to, and, and you know, th that's not. I just need to study with them so that we can you know, just respect their opinion on that. Uh, I think is the point, and I think there's some very important modern day applications that we can make from this text. Um, this whole COVID thing uh, brought a lot of issues to light. And, and I think a lot of ungodly attitudes to light amongst brethren. And we need to look back and reflect on how poorly some of us handled uh, these things. Uh, when it comes to the mask versus no mask debate, um, you have some on some side saying, well, I'm not coming to church. If not, if everybody's not wearing a mask, you're binding your weakness or strength or whatever you want to call that 
on somebody else. And then the other ones, well, I'm not going to wear it, no matter of whether it's going to offend you or not. You're binding your opinion on somebody else. And, and neither of those attitudes are godly. Forcing everybody else to do what you want is not the godly spirit. I think you also see that with the vaccines where, you know, some brethren think that you're unloving if you don't get one. And some think you're weird if you do get one. Just if you think you need one, get one. If not, don't, you know, and, and just learn to get along and respect each other, uh, regardless of that opinion. And I think another one that's especially becoming a, a bigger issue nowadays is the public school versus homeschooling. Uh, you, you have the, uh, the, the public school people who uh, think that you've just got weirdos that are homeschooling their kids and their kids are a bunch of uh, weirdos and unsocialized and, and crazy. And, you know, they're just these weird people. And, and then you have sometimes the homeschool on the other side can, can think that the public schools are a bunch of public school children are a bunch of heathens. And, and you know, that it can get, it, it can digress pretty quickly. The point is, we have the freedom to send our children to public school or we have the choice to to homeschool them ourselves. And and whatever parents choose to do in their own given situation is not your decision to make. And you need to respect the decision that they make. And, and so I think there's a lot of issues that we have going on today that we need to recognize that these our opportunities, uh, th these are opportunities to remember what Paul says here in uh, Romans 14, not to pass judgment on them. Uh, these are things where we can have differences of opinions, but we can still be united together. We can still love them and care for them, and, and we can ensure that we're not putting a stumbling block in front of them. So one of the one of the things that is said in this particular passage of Romans 14 is uh, talking about faith. And, and Richard, maybe this is something, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to elaborate on or talk about, because I know in several of the gospel preaching lives and things that you've done, you know, you've, you've dealt with faith, you've dealt with the word of God, because, you know, if it's not of faith, right, and, and we, before we jump into what it is or what it isn't, first of all, where does faith come from? And I think sometimes that is a, a, a point that is overlooked in this passage. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And you cannot come to God, Hebrews 11, 6, without faith. And so therefore you have to go to the scriptures to learn what you have to do to be acceptable to God. Unfortunately, and I think that's why Romans 14 is talking about a weak brother uh, some of his conscience has been shaped not by faith, but by something else. And, uh, and so, you know, you, you just don't, you just don't, you don't start becoming like the son of God overnight. You know, it, it takes some time in order to, as Romans 12, one and two says, you got to transform your mind. And that's, that's a process that takes some work. And, uh, you know, there are certain things that people are going to, uh, or all of us do, actually, uh, myself included. There's going to be some things that we are uh, used to, we think is right, we think it's proper, that somebody else may have a different uh, practice on. 
And uh, you're going to have to be able to identify that. Are they in sin or are they not? In other words, uh, is, uh, is your belief part of the faith? And you're going to have to be able to identify that. And uh, if you can't, if you can't, if you can't identify it, then you go talk to him. Matthew 18, go talk to the brother. But if you can't identify it in scripture, then, you know, you're going to have to sit back and say, okay, this is, this is for me. This is something that, uh, I gotta, I gotta think about for a while. Uh, I may not want to partake in it because of my conscience, but, uh, I, you know, I, I can't accuse my brother either because I don't know what scripture I can go to to accuse him of sin. And uh, But be that as it may, if I feel like I can, what a teaching opportunity. I mean, you know, you could go to a brother. If I felt like Chris was in sin about something and I go to him and Chris is like, no, I don't think I am in sin. And then Chris starts teaching me how I'm wrong interpreting the scriptures, you know, truth wins on that. If two brothers go to the scriptures to find out what the truth teaches about something, that's a win-win situation as long as both people are looking for the truth. And that's a good thing. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be running away from that. You know, uh, the opportunity to teach is, is before us, and, and that's practical. I mean, that's someone who's looking for an answer, and and that should be you know what, what we're supposed to be doing is is trying to uh, become united on what the word teaches. But uh, be that as it may, yes, uh, whatsoever not of faith is sin. Meaning, you know, if it's not contained in the Word of God, then you don't partake in it. Don't do it, and uh, you don't add to it. You don't take away from it. You, you just, uh, you look for authority in everything that you do. You know, the, the one thing I do want to say, and well, I'll, I'll let you, I've talked for a while. I'll, I'll bring this up a little later, but okay. I'll, I'll let one of you guys say something. Okay. Um, and, and Josh, if you want to jump in on that, I have a question for you though. I'd, I'd like for you to consider, um, it may be in, in to kind of direct this discussion, because I think this falls into, uh, some of the struggles people have with this particular text and the attitude of a lot of brethren just to throw anything and everything into it. Um, if someone partakes, and, and I think the the eating of meat and the, and the not eating of meat is a great example here that obviously, because Paul uses it, but <laughs> if someone partakes of meat or doesn't partake of meat, are they by their action condemning the other who disagrees with them. I don't, I, I don't think so necessarily. I think they could have a, a, a spirit about them where they're just like, ha, I'm going to eat this, even though you don't like it kind of thing, which would be the kind of attitude that Paul says not to have here. But I, I think at the end of the day, we have, do, do we have the right to eat meat or not? Yes, we do. And if you partake of that, uh, you know, you, you're not inherently condemning those who choose not to partake of that liberty. And vice versa, right? Right, right. And, and I think that's where, where Paul's, what, what Paul's trying to emphasize here is that we can both exercise our liberties differently. You can abstain. 
you can partake without condemning each other and without having a judgment against each other and without and with with having a loving and united spirit with one another just recognizing that we have different differences in opinions and so i think what paul is dealing with is it can reach a point where you partaking is in condemnation of your brother um, but he's writing to help them avoid reaching that point uh, so that way they're, they're, as he says, not placing a stumbling block or a fence before their brother or uh, they're not passing judgment on, on opinions. I yeah. got it. I got, can I come in now? Or do you yeah, ask No. Well, this was the point I was wanting to make. You know, if I got a good deal on some meat, and it's because it was meat that was, had been offered to idols. And so they'd offered it cheap because obviously there's people with conscience to it. So there's not a big, bigger, you know, the big market is to have meat that uh, was not offered to idols, right? There'd be more people wanting to buy it. But since this is more of a limited market, I buy this meat that's offered to idols. I decide to have a barbecue. Now, let's say Josh has a conscience toward meat offered to idols. Should I invite him over to my house to have uh, some uh, false uh, idol meat burgers <laughs> that were barbecued? No, I'm not going to do that because I know it offends his conscience. Now, to put that in practical application, if I know someone, for instance, has a conscience toward wearing a tie at the Lord's Supper, you know, am I going to make that an issue for them? Am I going to try to distract them in their worship? No, I'm going to put on a tie uh, because I don't want it to be a distraction. Um, some people have a conscience about Christmas. And, you know, my family celebrates Christmas, not because it's a religious holiday. We see it as a family holiday. And, uh, and, and, and that's basically all we see it as. It's just a family holiday. We put up an artificial tree. Uh, we have gifts under it. You know, that's all it is. But there have been brethren who had a problem with uh, with Christmas because it you know, originated with pagans, same as Halloween. Now, am I going to invite them over for a, a Christmas party? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to flaunt it in front of them. And I think that's what Paul's saying about eating a meat, so that he, you know, he's not going to do something that's going to offend his brother when his brother's got a conscience toward it, he's going to put his brother, you know, he, but he's going to put his uh, brother's needs in front of himself. And so if I know Josh is coming over and he's got a conscience toward meats, then I'm going to pay more money and get the meat that was not offered to idols because I don't want to offend his conscience. You know, there, there's two situations in scripture that I, I think illustrate kind of the the difference of opinions that brethren had that we we could look at and consider and and I'm, even if we don't get much into the discussion today, I, I think it'd be something for folks to consider the thoughts anyway. First of all, you've got Paul and Barnabas and John Mark, right? Um, on that second, you that that time when you know the, the second opportunity for John Mark to go with them and Paul and Barnabas, not with ill will, it would seem, 
But nevertheless, they both had an opinion on John Mark, and it it worked out for a lot of good to take place in a much broader and bigger area. You know, they 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 parted ways in that respect, not parting fellowship, right? Not saying, well, if you take him, you're in sin, or, you know, well, since you won't take him, you're in sin. They just decided, you know what? I, I don't think we should take him. I'm going this way. I think we should take him. So I'm going to go this way, and we'll meet back. And, and a lot of things happen. Second would Actually, be... Circumcision. Huh? Acts 15. Right. But then you have circumcision where Timothy was circumcised and Titus was not. Right. And and here was a, a situation where they both made conscious decisions, you know, to to make a point. Right. They did two different things. They they not that they stood on different sides of an issue, but they're like, listen, you know, I, I'm going to be circumcised so I can go out and, and, you know, have influence with these Jews. And the other is like, well, I'm not going to be because they need to understand it's not necessary, right? Which one was right? Which one was wrong? Well, neither one was wrong in what they did, right? Just like with Paul and Barnabas, neither one was wrong in the decision that they made. Um, and, and sometimes we want to look at that and we want to make it, I think as Josh began uh, today's uh, you know topic was with you know, pointing out, you know, this isn't right and wrong. You know, when it comes to weak and strong is not the same as right and wrong. Any, any thoughts on that guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Um, I think we haven't so much mentioned it, but I think what Paul is addressing in Romans 14, and he also deals with it in Romans 18, or Roman, or 1 Corinthians 8, I'm sorry, um, is the the attitude of love that needs to prevail uh, amongst brethren. And, you know, so much so, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 13, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again. Such as is his concern for his brother. And he says, you know, you can exercise these liberties in a manner that's going to place this stumbling block in front of your brethren. And you need to recognize that and you need to avoid that out of concern and love for your brother here. And sometimes what Paul is saying here is if the need arises, I need to be willing to lay aside my liberties for the sake of, of my brother's conscience. And I think particularly as we get into, you know, as we get into opinions as they relate to, you know, how we structure in our worship services and things, we need to be willing to respect the consciences of our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially. And if something that we're doing is something that our a brother over here thinks is is not right, I don't need to treat them like they're less than. And I think Chris brings up a good comment here. I think, I don't, I think, did you put this up? Richard? Yeah. He says that one of the hardest things to do is refrain from something because you think it is not wrong. Not right. Not right. I'm sorry. And not expect others to do so. People automatically feel judged. And he's right. If I were to say, and I, I mean, I, I see that attitude sometimes. 
if you have a brother over here who uh, says, well, I think that this is not right, we automatically like, oh, well, what's wrong with them? That's the very kind of attitude that Paul is saying we can't have here in Romans chapter 14. They have a conviction, or maybe they have a conviction that this is not right, or, or I shouldn't partake of this. We shouldn't make them feel like they're beneath us because they've come to a different conclusion than we have. And I think that's that's a very real danger that we have in in this whole issue. And I think that's where why Paul writes these things uh, so that we learn to have love for one another and to show that love for one another, even if there's areas where we might be disagreeing. You know, Chris, Josh, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is misapplied with what Josh is saying is in the realm of expediences. Because all too often you will see and I've heard of situations at churches where they choose to do something as an expediency when one of their members or more than one is offended by that. And that in and of itself violates scripture because all things have to be done for edification. And if an expediency, uh, if it offends a brother, then you need to find a different way of doing it because an expediency is not a command. It's just a means of getting something done. But uh, many times you will see brethren force an expediency down the throat of another brother who has a uh, a conscience toward it. And I think we need to think twice about Now, to get back to what Chris said earlier, there has to be time for growth. I mean, there has to be a time when that weaker brother is able to see that this is just an expediency and you know that it's that it's okay to do, or either that or it's it's forbidden, and he needs to be teaching that uh, and and convincing them of that. But needless to say, uh, expediencies uh, many times I think the the use of expediencies have been abused. There's an expression you can and and Josh, you probably know it better than I do. Uh, you can please everyone some of the time but you can't please or uh you, you know you can't you can't please everyone basically is the point right all the time you, you can't please everyone all the time so the and and that's where a lot of this is going to come you know you point out richard maybe there's someone in a congregation you know and i'll i'll tell you something that has been dealt with um, by me and in, in places I've been directly, and that is the overhead projectors, right? Like having having PowerPoint projected, you know, up on a screen. Our King James Bible. It, yeah, that that would be that would be one as well. Yeah. Um, you know, but y- you get someone who's offended by the use of or the or or not using of that. Right. But then you get someone else who doesn't like the opposite. Right. And then, so w- what are you going to do? Right. Something has to give somewhere in some way. Right. And, and sometimes you have to look at and we have to sit down and study. And, and I've asked the question uh, to a lot of people before is it wrong or is it different? Right. But, but on that situation, Chris, that I, you can't, the weaker brother who's offended by a PowerPoint presentation could not put that in Romans 14 
because there's they have to be able to make that determination. The way I understand Romans 14, they have to be able to make the determination what is a point of faith and what is not. And there's no way they can go to the Bible to sit there and say, this is, uh, you know, that PowerPoint is forbidden. There's just no way they could do that. Okay. But now let's get to the attitude that we mentioned earlier. If some, if a brother or someone is offended by something, right. And, okay. and so we, we want to avoid, we want to do our best to try and, and, you know, have unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Okay. But the problem is we're just looking at one person, right? Whereas sometimes there's multiple people that that are offended by different things, and 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 churches are kind of stuck in a quandary. Well, if we do this, this person's offended. If we do that, that person's offended, right? Uh, Chris, uh, th th this would be a good time for you to answer this question. Chris Kramer asks, "How do we define offend?" Yeah. I think at this point that would be a good definition. That yeah, yeah. And uh, in con in context, I would say when you cause someone to violate their conscience, that's in context of what we read in Romans fourteen. But I want to add to that. I think we can abuse that, you know, because yeah. let's say, let's say we. Uh, I'm just going to use the PowerPoint for an example. We want to. Uh, put a PowerPoint up and somebody doesn't like that. And so they're just going to claim, well, I'm offended. And I think that's where Chris's comment comes in here. What, how do we define offended? You know, define offended doesn't just mean that I don't like it. Defended mean, uh, offended means that this is something that is, uh, that I believe it is a, a sin basically. Yeah. And, and so when we cause uh, an offense to our brother, we're causing them to sin before God. And, and so uh, you know, I know that there are times where people might say, well, I'm offended by this. Like a church is going to sell their building and merge with another group. And a woman says, well, I'm offended because my dad helped build this building. <laughs> That's an abuse of that principle. Well, let, let me get to the, the very essence of how this even came into being anyway, because this, this has happened to me. Uh, when uh, that Homer Haley doctrine on marriage, divorce and remarriage, became a point of emphasis during with the brethren that became a point of emphasis where I was at. And there was an elder who believed in this and my point with him. And I know many people may not understand what the teaching was, but uh, they're just going to have to go with me on this because we're running out of time. But my point to them was that his teaching is in my, the, my understanding, he is teaching that adultery is okay. And that by his fellowshipping those who are in that situation, he is leading me as a member of that church to fellowship adulterers. And therefore, they were wanting to put it in Romans 14. I'm like, you can't put that in Romans 14. You're making me offend my conscience. You're making me listen to teaching that promotes adultery, and you're making me fellowship adulterers. And they're like, well, that's your opinion. And I'm like, that may be, but that's my understanding of the scriptures. Well, that's just your opinion, they kept saying. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. That's what I believe the scriptures teach. And if I believe the scriptures teach that, then you're going to have to deal with me. 
And of course they didn't want to do that. They're like, no, we're, we're just putting this in Romans 14. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. So th that's how, that's how many people have used Romans 14. Uh, I haven't really to be, uh, to our listeners, I haven't heard many people use Romans 14 to talk about how to deal with a brother about Christmas, uh, or, uh, Halloween or ties at the Lord's supper, uh, are bringing drinks to services. I, I haven't heard that. I'm not saying it doesn't apply, but the, the biggest issue that I have heard was on the teachings of marriage and divorce and remarriage and, and how it affected uh, the difference of understanding between one set of brethren and other sets of brethren. That's been my, that's been my take through my 60 years <laughs> of service to the Lord. Yeah, which is unfortunate that you know that that's what people want to do and how they want to deal with uh, very serious uh, consequences. That the Bible is clear about consequences when it comes to adultery and sexual immorality, um, you know, and divorce. Uh, un, un, uh, and that's why know. I went to First Corinthians five. Yeah, because it's pretty clear, and that's what I did with them. I'm like, it's pretty clear. This is not under the realm of you know, opinion. Right. But, uh, that's what people try to, to do with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, there's so much more we could talk about and get into and, and, and perhaps, uh, in future episodes we can, but Josh, do you have any last thoughts? I just think we need to, uh, you know, maintain that spirit of, of, of love for one another. I think that's the, the overarching principle here uh, that, you know, I, recognize that we're different you know we're all different people and that's a that's the beauty of of god's creation is we're not all the same we're different and rather than using some of our differences as means of pushing us away come back together in a spirit of love and you know love one another and not use these opinions differences of opinion to drive a wedge between us we have enough reasons why we need to divide over doctrinal issues when people don't hold fast to the truth. Uh, we need to learn to have unity where we can. Yeah. <laughs> why? Chris, oh, Chris Kramer. The program is over. Yeah. <laughs> we should ask Chris to be on. Yeah, really? Yeah. Richard, last thoughts? I think love is manifested when the authority of Jesus is respected. Yeah. And that needs to be the bottom line there. Absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, love sometimes, you know, uh, well, at all times has truth and eternity uh, in mind and recognizes that's what's at stake. And uh, sometimes the loving thing to do is not the most popular and certainly can offend truth can offend you know the way people want to talk about it so it's a um, hard thing to do to sit at someone's dinner table and accuse them of sin yeah it is yeah. but yet if you love them as josh was talking about that's what you're going to do yep that's right all right folks we appreciate everybody tuning in to berean spirits every thursday morning at uh, 10 a.m central standard time until next time, remember to search the scriptures with Berean spirits.
Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.